from the studios of Farm Journal Broadcast. This is Ag Day. Which southern state could see the best cotton crop this year? We got the same amount of money in that bowl as we do this bowl. We head to another state that's seeing some pretty good yields. Wrapping up harvest means starting fall field work. How to make sure you're achieving your goals with vertical tillage. As Midwest soybeans start making their way south. Last year we actually saw a net increase in tonnage for our port for the first time in six years. A look at where many of those beans make their final stop before leaving the country right now on Agnew. Good morning, I'm Clinton Griffiths with Soybean Harvest Almost Complete. The next part of harvest involves either storing or transporting the crop to market, and that includes exporting. One port that sees a lot of business when it comes to soybeans is the Port of South Louisiana. Agnes Michelle Rook recently got the chance to tour the facility, and Michelle, there have been some upgrades there to help in the movement of soybeans. Major infrastructure investments are being made here on the Mississippi River and at the ports to help keep U.S. farmers competitive globally in the export market. U.S. soybean farmers have led efforts to improve infrastructure by funding research on lock and dam upgrades as well as dredging on the Mississippi River. USB has put up the money for the research to do all this dredging and since the farmers actually are willing to put money forward. It kind of encouraged the Corps to step up their timeline, I guess. The United Soybean Board invested $2 million to help underwrite part of the cost of deepening this lower stretch of the Mississippi River from a minimum of 45 feet of water depth to 50 feet. And that deeper depth allows another 500,000 bushels of beans to be loaded for export. You can put more freight, and in our case, soybeans, per vessel from about 2.4 million bushels of soybeans to 2.9 million bushels of soybeans. That helps to lower freight rates and adds to the value of the soybeans exported. Our $2 million investment, I think they're getting a return on, basically it's 13 cents a bushel, more of uh, what they're getting because of the more freight that they can put on a ship. So that will result in farmers receiving $461 million of additional value annually. The dredging project is only two-thirds done, but is already returning benefits. Last year, we actually saw a net increase in tonnage for our port for the first time in six years. So we have a 50-foot or greater channel from the Gulf of Mexico uh, to you know, about River Mile 170, and eventually River Mile 232, the project will be completed. USB also funded research to help with the modernization of locks and dams on the upper Mississippi River. I know Lock and Dam 25, we're doing some help with a lot of research in that area to try to redo it because a lot of our locks and dams were deteriorating. We've actually uh, offered $1 million to the Army Corps of Engineers for one particular lock and dam improvement project north of St. Louis. And officials at the port say their relationship with USB on these projects is invaluable. So the partnership that we have with them for communication, but as far as research that they do and the funding that they're able to contribute for infrastructure projects, for dredging this Mississippi River to where it was, is much attributed to the work that the United Soybean Board has done. So we appreciate the partnership. We want to strengthen it. At the Port of South Louisiana, I'm Michelle Rourke reporting for Ag Day. 
Yields in the Fields on Ag Day is brought to you by Microessentials, the super granule that packs balanced nutrition into a single granule for uniform nutrient distribution, increased nutrient uptake, and season-long sulfur availability. Beating commodity fertilizers every time. Supercharge your yields with the Mighty Micro from Mosaic. Quite a mixed bag of weather to talk about for this week in farm country. Meteorologist Matt Engelbrecht has a look ahead. Matt? Yeah, bit of a mixed bag. It was the system that we were talking about last week, just in time for Thanksgiving. By the time we hit Wednesday and Thursday, most of the energy in the jet stream is going to be more to the east than to the west. Now what that means is by Tuesday at 1 p.m. a lot of rain in and across the Midwest, but also the east coast as this continues to spread to the northeast. If we want to talk about uh, snowfall, in and across the United States, that's going to be right up here. But you can see the moisture and the energy for any kind of storms or showers. It's going to be right within this area you know, Wednesday morning, Wednesday afternoon. That kicks out and some cool, colder air is going to try and settle in from north to south. Now, if we had some moisture and some energy, we'd be talking about snow in and across the plains and the Midwest. Go ahead, take a look at your screen here. That's a wrap on harvest for Andy in Madison, Nebraska. Andy up there clearing off the combine, the sun setting in the distance. Andy, like most of his fellow farmers in the state, close to finish with harvest. Soybean harvest was reported as done last week in the state and corn harvest was nearing completion. The state was anticipating yields of 173 bushels to the acre for corn, up eight bushels from last year. For soybeans, 51 bushels an acre, up two bushels from last year. We'll have more in your forecast coming up. Cattle on feed numbers from USDA fell within estimates. Cattle and calves on feed totaling 11.9 million head. Now that's up 2% from November of last year. Placements were at 2.16 million head, up 4%, a number that some analysts say is not as bearish as it looks on the surface. The marketing number was 3% below a year ago. The number Friday was either the second or the third smallest. The only smaller one was the year prior. So it's pretty tough when you're comparing to a tiny, tiny number to not be more than a year ago. Give you a little more perspective that 104 that the USDA told us it was Friday is 6% below the five-year average. It was still a real small placement number. It was just bigger than a year ago. Flip Your Soil on Ag Day is brought to you by ESN. Hear why farmers across the country trust ESN to protect their nitrogen investment and maximize yield. Learn more at SmartNitrogen.com. With the harvest wrapping up across the country, growers are working to get their fall tillage practices completed. Proper tillage can play a role for farmers wanting to flip their soil to improve yield. And many have questions about how to properly do vertical tillage this fall. Well, Farm Journal field agronomist Ken Ferry says the first thing farmers need to consider when using an inline ripper to make sure that they have a reason to be out in that field. Now, he says their data shows that tillage doesn't pay for itself ahead of soybeans. Farmers also have many questions about how they know if they're running their inline ripper deep enough in corn stalks for successful vertical tillage. Now, Ferry says to get a uniform seedbed, the inline ripper needs to be set correctly. There needs to be complete and uniform shatter with that vertical tillage pass. Probably the inline ripper is actually one of the easier tools to set uh, because visually you can tell when you're lifting. We need to lift uniformly from shank to shank. Now typically that's going to be about half your shank width. 
So if you're on 30 inch spacings, you're gonna have to be around 14 or 15 inches in depth to get full width shatter across from shank to shank. Full width shatter looks uh, very uniform. You're gonna see the soil come up like a wave and move through that machine. It's gonna be a uniform lift from shank to shank. The shank isn't gonna blow out. You're gonna leave the residue on top. You're not gonna be throwing a lot of soil up on top to bury that residue itself. So your goal is to keep going down until that happens. Well, Ferry says there's nothing farmers can do with spring harrows and planter settings to fix the ills of poorly done primary vertical tillage. So it's important to get it done right this fall. A disappointing rain in Brazil pushed bean prices higher on Monday. We'll talk markets coming up next. And later, Arkansas growers celebrate a solid cotton crop as they hustle to wrap up another harvest season in the country. Ag Day, presented by Pioneer. What's next happens when the name on the cap matches the power of one's purpose. Pioneer, what's next happens here. Soybeans starting the short trading week with some gains. Agnes Michelle Rook is back to talk it over in markets now. Grains ended mixed on Monday. Tommy Grasafi with Advanced Trading joining us. And Tommy, soybeans, nice double-digit gains products came along. Just what, putting in South American weather premium again? M Michelle, you never know what to expect. It's Thanksgiving week. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. I was a little shocked when the markets opened down as much as they did last night and then I was not shocked to see it rally, but to see it rallied up 25 was interesting. As I stare at my tickets, every day is a mystery. Beans are up 25, corn's down one. By the end of the day, beans were up 25 and corn was up three. And then you have wheat over there hanging out like it doesn't know what corn and beans are doing. The markets are thin this time of year. It's a hol holiday abbreviated week, but it is very, I don't wanna say it's easy to make the bean market rally. If it's easy to make the bean market rally, it's extremely hard to push corn up the hill. Corn is this incredibly big boulder we're trying to roll up the hill. And that bean market, you just give a little boost and it's flying up. Yeah. Corn market's not like that, Michelle. We have too much corn any way we talk about it. Yeah, I was going to say, is corn been a reluctant follower of soybeans just because wheat's going the other way or because we do have over 2 billion bushel carryout or just still some hedge pressure? You know, I, I like... I like watching analysts talk about, uh, you know, the last time we had 2.2 billion carryout, we were 350 corn. Someone could paint the scenario where corn's a dollar over value, but you're not going to have beans rally 24 cents a day and have corn maybe break so much. So the corn bean ratio should come in. Obviously, we can't plant more uh, of America's crop this year. South America, they can't really even make any changes. The thing I'm most excited about as we go into 2024 is watching that NOV 24, DS 24 corn spread and how that's going to play out and how fast can the American farmer pivot and what future plans do they have? It's very interesting to the people who stored beans instead of corn, how that's working out, Michelle. Now, quickly on wheat, uh, more new contract close in Kansas City wheat. Is this technical selling or just really poor demand? It's just sad. Wheat's just sad. I looked at all three tickets make lows today and it's just sad. It it's in my mind, Russia is flooding the markets with wheat. We know that the, the wheat left Ukraine, they flooded Poland and other countries. There is too much wheat out in the world and it's too readily available. Thanks for joining us, Tommy Gris, Safi Advanced Trading. We'll have more Ag Day coming up. 
Interested in spending a day with a trader? Call Tommy Grisafi at 800-664-4383. Ag Day is sponsored by Germinator Steel Closing Wheels. Perfected in conventional, excels in no-till. Order your Germinator Closing Wheels today. Now here's a look at uh, the 25th through the 29th. So we're wrapping up before the end of November and into December. We got uh, below normal precipitation chances uh, in across a good, uh, I'd say maybe two thirds United States, give or take. Uh, otherwise, when you add and start to the, uh, the normal, then you're looking at nearly two thirds United States. Gulf Coast states is where we're going to be picking up that moisture and exiting up to the east and to the northeast uh, with the precipitation outlook again being pretty dry uh, for the kind of pattern that we're going to be seeing coming up uh, uh, by Thanksgiving and into next week. The temperature outlook is kind of hit or miss. It's not all the way to the left and it's not all the way to the right and it's not exactly right in the middle either. But there are going to be some um, uh, outbreaks, some cold air moving through, but it's not going to linger, which is really what this map is saying is that there's going to be a few cold days, uh, but that cold air is going to be moving out. So again, this is more like a two or three days with below average temperatures and then that pattern starts to flip back over towards the warmer once we get back into the early December and it looks like early December is going to be a little bit more active but also warmer as well. So another way to look at it, the jet stream uh, Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday. Uh, that piece of energy that we've been tracking uh, ejects off to the north and to the east and watch that colder, cooler air try to sink down south. Now, a couple of things have happened with that cold air. When we were talking last week, the red down here is a ridge that's developing to the north. Now, initially, it was thought this ridge was going to be a lot weaker, which would have allowed that cold air to sink farther to the south. Now, early analysis this week is pegging that uh, ridge to be a little bit stronger, which is going to keep that colder air bottled to the north on Thanksgiving. In fact, actually push that cold air out and bring some warmer air in uh, rather than being below average. Looks like an average Thanksgiving regarding the temperature in your turkey. Make sure you cook it to the right temperature uh, coming up on Thursday. Across the nation, we'll start off in Texas. Uh, Brady, partly cloudy. High around 57 degrees, low of 33. Mosby, high of 45. Missouri, 26 with that low. And South Dakota, a little windy. High around 50 degrees, low of 33 in faith. Ag Day is brought to you by Lamar's Toy Store, the largest and most diversified farm toy store in the U.S. They have new and old and do restorations and customizations too. You need to see it to believe it. Visit Lamar'sToyStore.com or call us at 712-546-4305. USDA is expecting milk production to grow year over year and its latest forecast it's calling for it to be up next year by almost 3 billion pounds. That's about a 1% increase. But what about milk prices next year? Our 2024 all milk price is currently forecast $20.80 per hundred weight. That's up just 10 cents from the current 2023 year. That would be half a percent higher than this year, but feed prices have remained elevated, so margins remain tight. Now, we told you about this earlier this month, a milk carton shortage, and it's impacting schools across the country. It's been an issue since early September in schools in New York, California, Pennsylvania, and Washington State. At the root of the problem appears to be a production backlog at Pactive Evergreen. 
It's a packaging manufacturer in Lake Forest, Illinois, and the company hasn't offered an official explanation about it. Now, one U.S. senator is calling on USDA to address the issue. Senate Majority Leader Democrat Chuck Schumer is sending a letter to the agency. He's urging the USDA to not only ensure New York dairy farmers have the technical support they need, but to also work with industry leaders to come up with a creative solution to get milk to school lunchrooms right now. Now, milk is required to be served in school lunchrooms with every meal according to USDA's nutrition standards. Well, crop harvest is wrapping up across the country. Up next, we'll check on farmers in Arkansas as they wrap up cotton harvest in 2023. That's today in the country. Your next piece of equipment is on machinerypeat.com. Search equipment from dealerships across the country to find what you're looking for. Only on MachineRepeat.com. The Cotton Harvest Tour on Ag Day is brought to you by Delta Pine. Dedicated to cotton, committed to you. Cotton harvest has now wrapped up in Arkansas, and during the harvest, farmers were predicting record yields in some parts of the state. As the Arkansas Farm Bureau shares with us, fewer acres were planted in the state than a year ago, but the pickings are producing double that of West Texas crops. Whenever they grade the cotton, they grade it for the color, strength. There's a lot of other things, micronair and different things, but that's strong cotton. That's, that should be good cotton. Overall, in Arkansas, our crop is in good shape. Our average yield is projected to be just under two bales an acre, which is, which is great cotton. Right now, uh, it does look like our cotton crop is going to be a good one. It's a little smaller than last year. Our acreage is down a bit. We um, planted 510,000 acres of cotton. We're expected to harvest almost all of that, 505,000 acres of cotton this year in Arkansas. Cotton harvest has been good. I mean, it's still, it ain't but all October the 13th and we're looking at the end, so that's a good thing. The summertime weather being good and cotton, I guess, just depends on mother nature more than most probably. It goes back to June, July, all them months being good and not any late rains in August to rot any of the cotton. That's helped a lot. But we sprayed this to knock the leaves off and then whenever you know, if you start getting some rains and it starts delaying your harvest a little bit, some of this is regrowth, which is not bad. It's not going to affect anything, but but that's what that is. And that's the rotten bowls I was talking about. That'll happen in a late rain. No good. So we put all our money into that bowl. Fertilize, uh, you know, seed. You know, we got we got the same amount of money in that bowl as we do this bowl, which is good. Mm -hmm. And so the late rains cause stuff like this, which is what we call hard lock. And so it, whenever that whenever that bowl was starting to open, it got rained on, and then whenever it did, it allowed different types of fungi or whatever causes that, and it hard locks it. So now all our money's in that, and that'll just fall That's, that's no good. All of my buddies and people that, you know, throughout our gen and everybody talks about having good, good cotton year this year, backing it up to the weather and like I said, everything just kind of lined up for that to play through. We've always planted Delta Pine. That just goes back to our ancestors, I guess, always told us plant Delta Pine cotton. So that's just what we plant and most people do in this area. In Arkansas, we're projected to cut two-bell cotton in many places. The best over average has probably been 1,500 pounds, more or less, a little bit. This is probably be about like that, I hope. 
for the most part, I think it'll be comparable to that. Last year was a good year too. We made a good yield. You know, this year we've had some farms that have picked 1,500 or a little better over on another farm. And so for the most part, this year has been a really good year. And our thanks to the Arkansas Farm Bureau for sharing that story with us. And that's all the time we have this morning. We're sure glad you tuned in. From all of us here at Ag Day and Clinton Griffiths, have a great day.